Hello, and welcome to this very exciting episode of Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross, bringing you the people that are making headlines and trending in the world of entertainment, politics, food, fashion, lifestyle, and public figures that you look to for advice, encouragement, and entertainment. I want to thank all of you who have been following us these past months on 1640 AM, 620 AM, 93.5 FM, and through the many podcast outlets internationally, you can download us on, including, but not limited to, Apple and Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, out of Israel, Jewish Podcast, the TalkLine Network, uh, and Zeb Brenner's TalkLine website, Podbean, and many others. And of course, you could also reach us through Cindy's Corner's website. I have big, big news. So welcome into our corner. That's right, it's ours. Because of you and the excitement for this show, I am happy to say we are expanding. Yes. We've had many requests from you to include more topics and more areas that you're interested in speaking about, learning about, and being a part of. I want to tell you about one of our new areas. Because as you all know, books are always coming out. We featured many authors on this show, both fiction and nonfiction, uh, both in a Jewish and non-Jewish arena. So I am so excited to tell you that I am now going to be hosting Cindy's Book Club Corner. Many of you who know me have heard that I belong to at least one book club. There's one book club that I've been involved with now for about a decade, and it started very informally with just a few girls, and now it has expanded. So now I'm inviting you to our book club. And once a month, we are going to be featuring an author. And we're going to give you the time ahead to order the book so that you could read along with us. And we're going to give you some questions to answer and we could follow along. And if this goes according to plan, the way we are thinking, we are going to make this show live, especially as Saturday nights are now getting colder where we are in the tri-state area and our Sabbaths are ending earlier. So I could tell you that our very first book is from one of our contributors whose book is now on Amazon and it's going to be debuting just in time for Christmas and Hanukkah gifts, Naomi Joseph. Binge and Sprint is now available to order on Amazon. And for any of you who know Naomi, have listened to Naomi, and have written to the show about Naomi, we know how excited you are because Naomi is Miss Positivity. Miss Naomi is a successful educator, 
businesswoman, marketer, and author. She's also a mother, a wife, a sister, a friend, and a community leader. And it's all wrapped into one in a beautiful book. So I hope you will be joining another corner of our show, our book club. Coming up will be our first guest. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner, and I'm your host, Cindy Gross. Let me ask you something. Do you realize that in a few weeks, it's Hanukkah and Thanksgiving? It's creeping up on us because we're still wearing uh, summer clothes because in lots of areas, the weather has been pretty good. But this year, Hanukkah is early. And for all of our non-Jewish friends, have you started shopping for Christmas? You hear the news. You see what's going on. If you don't start buying gifts now, you might not have it because your gift might be on a boat in the water waiting to be unpacked and waiting to travel to its store. So we at Cindy's Celebrity Corner have said we're not going to take it and we're going to be a part of the solution, helping you find the perfect gifts, holiday tips, And get you in the spirit for Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, and New Year's with our gift guide, holiday tips, which include entertaining, home decor, and how to treat and pamper yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, however you want to say it, socially, because really... It's way more than just a menorah or a tree, more than a donut, a laka, or a chocolate log. And it's way more than a turkey, because who knows if we're even going to have turkey this Thanksgiving. So follow Cindy Celebrity Corner. Follow my website, Cindy's Corners. And... We're going to be previewing gifts on a television show, what Cindy Celebrity Corner recommends for gifts, tips, and more. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar 
stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you're thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Joining us now is a comedian, one of the most popular comedians on the circuit right now. Uh, her tour has been sold out. She actually does two different types of shows, one for her Jewish audience and one for the general audience. And she's going to be talking to us about both. I know she's doing a big show now with Elon Gold. So welcome to the show, Talia Reese. Hi, thanks for having me, Cindy. So tell us a little bit about comedy these days, because people certainly need a good laugh. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, as long as you're staying away from certain topics, uh, I think Dave Chappelle is learning that. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I mean, you know, it's... uh, there's so much talk about cancel culture, what you can say, what you can't say. Uh, you know, I, I, I stay on topics that interest me that I think the audience is going to laugh at. I don't really concern myself too much with that stuff. Um, you know, luckily, uh, I haven't been canceled yet, but I, I think I need to get I'll get even more you know, popular. And then once I get bigger, then then I can get canceled and it'll be more exciting. Well, tell us about my super orthodox life. So basically, it, it, that is a show that combines my, my, let's say, my regular life with my orthodox life. Like you said, I do. I have two acts. Like I'll be at the comic strip live on, on the Upper East Side this Saturday night for general audience where, you know, I may mention that I'm Jewish and uh, make some jokes about my life there. But if I'm performing for an exclusively Jewish audience, um, which how would I know they're exclusively Jewish? Well, if it's a Jewish event or um, if I'm marketing it a certain way or if I'm maybe with Elon Gold doing a certain show, then I just have, you know, I have like two hours of material that really only in, in, let's say, involved Jews in the Jewish, in Jewish life, we're going to understand. So my super Orthodox life is basically my life in jokes because I didn't grow up Orthodox. Um, I grew up, let's say reform to conservative. And then my, my parents became Baltshuva. You know, they kind of turned from conservative to modern Orthodox while I was in college. So I would come home and then all of a sudden there's like a sukkah, or there'd be Mashloch Manod for Purim, all these candy baskets. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So I, I really learned about Judaism through all these really nice things um, that my parents introduced later. Um, and then I guess by the time I was, you know, old, old enough to get married, I just was like, hey, yeah, I think I'll marry a religious guy and stick with this. So I've become pretty, 
I guess you'd say modern, very modern Orthodox. Uh, I prefer the term observant. So I have to tell you, I'm probably a lot like you. I am an observant Jew, and I also don't like the labels because I am a public figure. I'm not anybody's rabbi. I'm not telling anybody what to do on Shabbos or how kosher to be or which, right. you know, stuff. So I get exactly what you're saying, and so do many of our listeners. We are all Jews, and as I say, Hitler did not discriminate. But we also <laughs> have a huge non-Jewish following, and you do also. Share with us a little bit about, uh, if we were sitting in your show right now, can you give us a little preview of what we, we would hear and see? Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of, I like to scan the audience, see, see if there's anyone I, I want to talk to in the front row. So, you know, definitely if, if, if you're afraid of being spoken to, don't sit, don't sit close up. Because I do, I get very excited when I see people and I want to know their story and try to work it into my so, act. So let's say I'm in your first row. Tell me what you would do with to me. Well, let's see. Would you be alone or would you be with a man or what's happening? I'd definitely be with a man. All right. Well, I might look at you and some other nice couples there and it, I'd say, you know what? It's kind of bittersweet for me to see because I've had two failed marriages. And I'm still in one of them. So it's, uh, you know, it's been tough. We're just trying, trying to get through the pandemics. We stayed together. And, you know, I like to see if people stay together through this. A lot, a lot of breakups, you know, but then people clap if they're together. And um, I don't know. I feel like I said a lot of things to my husband over this past year that sounded like I was breaking up with him, but I wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, like, I love you, but I think we should see other people. Um, so, you know, just sort of launch into my, my act a little bit. Um, that's, that's what I would do. And then I kind of have some jokes, maybe come back to the audience, engage. And, What's uh, probably, would you say is probably one of your more popular jokes that gets universal, uh, attention? Oh, well, un- universal. Um, yeah, well, cer- certainly not my jokes about the mikvah. I'll tell you that that's, uh. Definitely not universal, right? <laughs> Although some people think a mikvah is like a jacuzzi. <laughs> wow. You know what? If they even know that much, I'm already impressed. Because well, they all watched just... Sex in the City and they saw when Samantha went into the, the, the bath. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't remember that one. Um, I don't know. I would say I do, um, I do a lot of jokes about my kids. I have two daughters. I, um. My act, you know, so, so that's why I also love performing for, you know, I'll do like PTA events and then I have like tons of material just on, you know, PTA, like schools and parenting and kids, like from the time they're little. And now I have one that's just turned teenager. Uh, but I have this one fun joke that I like to do. All right. I do a lot of stuff. I was not ready to have kids when I did, you know, I don't think anyone really was because you don't know what you're getting into, you know, um, like I had one friend. I she had, she, I had one friend who had a baby. That's it. When I was pregnant with my first. So naturally I called her and she was so excited, you know, and she was like, Oh my God, I am picking you up and taking you straight to bye bye baby. You know? And I was just like, what? Wait, Cheryl, you know, I'm keeping it. Right. That is cute. And everybody knows what bye bye baby is. So I have to tell you going through uh, my research, 
There are some photos of you that I have to say remind me of the late Gilda Radner and the very early days of uh, Saturday Night Live because you get dressed in character very similar to some of those <laughs> early comedian days. Tell us who are some of your influences, you know, people who've influenced you. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, it's it's funny you would say that because I do. I also enjoy doing characters. That was how I originally started with comedy. I mean, like in in high school, I always got like the character role in the play. Like I would never be, you know, like Sandra D or, you know, like the pretty ingenue. I was always like like the crazy person or, um, you know, like or, or Miss Hannigan. You know, I could be evil. I could sing a little, you know. Like if I put on a voice, I could sing, but I love doing characters. And then in college, I was the director of an all female comedy troupe. So I wrote a lot of sketches and then I would I would pretty much be all kinds of characters, including the male characters, because it was, you know, all female and uh, somebody had to play the guy. And, you know, you know, I'm at a school. All these girls just want to look pretty on stage and be cool. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'll dork it up. But um but it's funny. I never really thought I would become a stand-up. That came later. So, yeah. So my influences early on were, you know, like I love Jan Hooks from Saturday Night Live, Nora Dunn. Like th- this, this was, you know, my childhood. And I, I always, I loved Joan Rivers. I still, I also grew up going to the Catskills with my parents. So I was a little girl and I would watch Joan Rivers. Never laugh so hard in my life. But I didn't see her as somebody like, oh, I want to be like that because I to be alone on stage to me was like frightening. Like I like a cast around me. I like bouncing off somebody with dialogue. And it really wasn't until I had kids and I left law because I used to be a lawyer. And isn't that a joke in and of itself? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I was a bankruptcy lawyer. And so the truth, like I, I left bankruptcy law to be a comedian because I wanted to experience firsthand what my clients went through. You know, that's called method acting. So, um, but yeah, and then it's funny, but I feel like since I started stand up, like the people in my head are Rita Rudner, Joan Rivers, um, well, Sarah Silverman, who I, you know, later grew up watching. And, um, and then honestly, you know, Louis C.K. really just dominated my my 20s. (laughs) I just love watching. Tell my audience some of the places uh, upcoming that they can see you and buy tickets. Well, yeah, so I will be um, at the Comic Strip Live. That's this Saturday night, the eight o'clock and 10 o'clock shows. Um, I'm at Greenwich Village Comedy Club, which is in downtown Manhattan, pretty much every Thursday night at 10 o'clock. I'm trying out new material. It's a very casual show. Um, in fact, if anyone contacts me directly, I can usually just get you right in. Um, and then um, those those are my city dates as far as Long Island. Also, I'm at the Governor's Clubs a lot, Governor's Brokerage. Just, I, you just got to look at those websites. I haven't posted any dates yet. And then Jewish, I mean, I'll be I'll be at the Great Next Synagogue next Saturday night. That's November 13th. That's open to all. A little pricey because it comes with dinner. Uh, but yeah, those are those are my dates. And uh, tell us if they want to reach you directly, where can they reach you? Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention that you mentioned that I will be performing with Elon Gold at Stand Up New York. I'm hosting his show. So it's a short set of mine. Um, but he's wonderful. And that's this Tuesday. Um, 
this coming Tuesday, November 9th. If people want to contact me directly, um, you know, you can friend me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at Talia Reese comic Reese, like Reese's peanut butter cup. Um, so yeah, at Talia Reese comic, or just find me on Facebook, Talia Reese. I pretty much accept all Jewish friend requests. I'm kidding. <laughs> all friend requests. Well, you know, you talk about Elon Gold. Uh, I don't know if I want to say this, but I will. I met uh, Elon at Steven Spielberg's mother's funeral. Oh, yeah. I know he's close with the Spielberg family. Oh, oh. wow. Of all oh, places wow. to meet a comedian. You know what? That's a, it's a good place to meet. I- I'll tell you, I have a whole thing about shivas. There's nothing like a comedian walking into a shiva. You would not believe and I'm sure he he must have experienced this walking into a funeral too. People say the most <laughs> hilarious, inappropriate things. Like, like you know what? We could all use some lightning up right now. You want want to tell a few jokes? Like people just have no. It's like no, I'm not gonna walk into this shiva right now. But it you know, but it's tempting as a comic. You walk into a funeral or a shiva, you see an audience, and you're just like, you know what? I think I could get you know I could try some material here. So yeah. Well, it's very funny to say that I know so many people who've made shitucks at Shiva houses. So you never know. <laughs> you never know what happens. Anyway, Talia Reese, comedian, our, one of our upcoming uh, Jewish uh, great ladies. You've certainly mentioned some people that are idols that are greatly missed by us. We all miss the Catskill days. We all mm. miss Joan Rivers. No one has really replaced Joan Rivers in our lives. You know, she was really influenced by Toady Fields. Yes. And then she took that place. And then, you know, no one really took Joan's place. The red carpets have never been the same without her. And um, we just, uh, you bring great stories, great comedy, and we look forward to having you back. A little bit of your routine next time, maybe in, co- uh, you know, in costume, we're going to do a little video. So <laughs> thanks for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Cindy. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Cindy Gross. Aren't you having a good time? This is really a very exciting lineup we have. And I am just so excited to tell you what else is coming on to the lineup in future shows. Several of you know that I have fixed up many successful couples for marriage And many of them are actually married a long time. And they're now parents and grandparents. And everybody always says to me, Cindy, you know so many people. Don't you know somebody for my sister or brother or son or next door neighbor? Cindy, you have friends in all places. Maybe you know someone in California, Florida, Texas. Someone in Israel. So people, I heard you. I listened. And I thought, how can I use the show to help people find love? Because up until now, they've been looking for love in all the wrong places. Welcome into my new corner. Cindy's Matchmaking Corner. We are now asking you, if you know somebody including yourself, that is looking for love, that you reach out to us through our website, 
cindyscorners.com. Send us your information. And we will work very hard to find you people that are compatible with you. And we are also going to share tips on how to date, how to build relationships, and maybe how to help others. Because you know what we often hear? I often hear that my friend keeps setting me up, but it's always the wrong person. And we're going to answer the questions about dating people, why we're limited to certain people and why we're not. Where are the places to go? Do we really need a resume to date? Do people stop dating at a certain age? How do you know if it's love at first sight? I have to tell you, today more than ever, it should be easy to find love because communication is all over the place. And yet I hear from singles of all ages, whether they've never been married or divorced three times, that love is hard to find. You've just been looking in the wrong corner until now. We're going to help you find love, and we're going to help you find happiness. Because I will tell you, I'm involved in a lot of charities. I try to do good for my community. And people always ask me, what is your favorite mitzvah or good deed? And without a doubt, it's fixing up a couple. Because the future of Judaism isn't how much money you make or how many days you daven or how many companies you own or how many times you vote in an election. All important if you do it the right way, but nothing will change the future of Judaism more than marrying within our religion and having Jewish children. That is the only way for our future survival, wherever you live. So please, we are asking you to be a part of something wonderful, something you're definitely not going to be alone in. And you never even know, even if you don't meet the perfect match right away, you might build a perfect friendship or you might network within this arena for a new job. Cindy's Matchmaking Corner, coming soon to Cindy's Corners. Cindy's Celebrity Corner on the radio, Cindy's Corners on the website. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. And joining us now is the star, the writer, director, the creator of one of the most talked about shows coming out November 12th, Bloodbath. Thank you for joining us, Brian James. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell us how this whole show came about. And there is so much 
talk about it a month beforehand. I've been listening. I've been hearing news about it. So tell us a little bit about the story and how it came to you. I I appreciate the buzz on it, right? It's like I'm really out here pushing it. So to to have people excited to watch it is thrilling. About a year ago, we were coming up with an idea of what to do. When I say we, I mean me, and um, I always have different collaborators. And I had a buddy that we actually share completely different political views. And just getting together and just um, conversing over that kind of was the um, inspiration for Bloodbath. I had written the first episode. And then um, I don't want I'm not going to spoil too much in the show, but, you know, it takes place right in that time frame of 2020. And then I had paused to see what would happen with the election. And then I wrote the, the other two episodes because it's a three episode limited series. And so it was it was informed and it was created by kind of living through COVID, you know, that's in this and also the Black Lives Matter movement and also just the political landscape we're living in and, you know, the intensity of different people's opinions. I tell people bloodbath is like a three act play. It's like a dinner theater because you've got a, the Republican, a Democrat, and then someone kind of in the middle of both. And then they all, you know, kind of diverge on each other and who's going to survive literally. So Cindy's celebrity corner came about because somewhat very similar to your story. If you Google me, I don't know how much you know about me, but I cannot hide the fact I did run for Congress. I am very much involved in one of the parties today, but that doesn't mean I can't talk to my friends on the other side. They don't want to talk to me. A lot of them. I mean, some of my close active friends avoided me because I was on a different side, but then some others embrace the show because I say we don't cancel culture. We Mm -hmm. embrace it. We want people to be entertained. I love going to movies. I love Mm -hmm. watching television. I love reading books and I love live theater. And I don't buy a ticket because of the way somebody uh, votes. I buy good entertainment. So you have a very uh, wide range of cast. I know you're in it. I know Jacob Young is in it. For those of you who don't know who Jacob Young is, He's probably a daytime legend because he's been on All My Children and The Bold and the Beautiful and various other shows. And who else is in it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jacob is is a great guy. Fun to work with. Uh, Guy Wilson is in it. And he was on Days of Our Lives. Andrew Trishita is in it. He's one of my best friends in real life. And uh, he was on One Life to Live. Uh, And... We have a couple other cool actors in it as well. Those are the ones that come from soaps, but it's a great group of people. Honestly, it was such a fun time working with all of them. How long did it take you from start to finish your first time you thought about doing this to actually getting a premiere date and to getting somebody to stream it? Because that in and of itself, you should be congratulated for because that's a major accomplishment. Thank you so much. I mean, I know we'll get more into youthful days, but that's really where I feel like has given me more forward motion to make this answer come, which is it was about a year and a half from inception to release date for Bloodbath. And it's because I'm, I feel like I am a well-oiled machine in this way because I did youthful days for six years and it was Emmy nominated. And I did over 200 episodes, over 25 hours of content. People can go to youthfuldays.net now and, and catch up on that. And it's available on any time. 
Um, but that really doing that now, you know, in a funny way, it's like doing three episodes is a piece of cake and I'm not undermining it. It was, it was not a piece of cake. Nothing ever is, but comparatively it felt like kind of riding a bike for me. So I could move at a quicker pace than maybe if I wouldn't have ever done a production before. So I'm not new to doing productions at this point, which I'm happy about. What do you like doing, uh, the best acting, writing, directing, producing, casting i love <laughs> i love acting that's what i am and that's why my social media is just this actor period because i i'm happy to be creating my own content and i take it seriously in the weight of the responsibility of it but uh ultimately acting is my passion Produ- producing would be the second thing because uh you know i i mean just being a storyteller and uh then writing would be third um again it ties into the idea of you're creating a story and everything directing is probably my 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 least favorite thing that i've been doing but i still feel at this point that you know writing it and knowing what i want i am the right person to be doing it because i know what the vision is and i know exactly what i want so i'm maybe you know i might be a good director and i just run away from that but directing is is a is a very draining process actually you know you do feel the weight of everybody on you in a good way but also in a stressful way because you know they're looking to you to kind of guide the whole ship tell us a little bit about your background oh yeah for sure well i was born in walnut creek california and um i grew up all over california i lived you know in san diego i lived in folsom danville bakersfield uh fresno uh i've lived uh, orange county uh, I moved a lot because of my family. My dad was working at Bank of America. And he he had a job of such where he would just constantly be monitoring different branches and, and such. But uh, moving around a lot made it difficult to connect to whatever that is that grounds people in their childhood thing. And it made me kind of unique in a way where I would gravitate to the arts and I would gravitate to the soaps. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was into all of those shows. I don't watch them now. That's not a knock at them in any way. I just, you know, I, at that time in my life, I think I was looking for consistency. If I'm analyzing myself, think about it. You know, what's beautiful about soap operas is that they air every day of the week and you can really get invested in the stories and the characters and and who these people are. And so if you're moving around all the time and you're kind of trying to find your footing in in the world, it's like you can turn on whatever show and and there they they are. And that also, I've said this to a lot of people, but that is exactly what Marvel has done in the entertainment industry with the superheroes. It's the same exact thing. It's the same formula of like you're getting people invested. So I've always seen the power in storytelling. And I think that's what's ended up leading me here. And I'm thankful for this because you know, I think that storytelling, like you were saying earlier, you don't buy a ticket for any other reason than to be entertained. What's beautiful about that is you can be entertained, you can be enhanced, you can be educated, informed and enriched while, you know, still just having a good time. I can't think of another thing in this world that actually works in that way. So storytelling is very powerful because we we're able to reach people farther than we think and in a very impactful way. And so exactly. I literally just love that. Well, you talk about soap operas uh, and daytime dramas. To me, growing up, I'm from that generation, and I still think, and I'm friends, and we've had many guests from the the soaps, uh, the hardest job is being an actor, learning those lines or writing those lines consistently. And everybody says it's the best training ground. It's the best, Mm -hmm. you know, 
teaching academy because it's so, um, you know, it's such a fast pace. So the fact yeah. that you look to that, I give you a lot of credit. Tell us a little bit about uh, your life now. You're in California. I am in California. And, you know, I have to tell you, though, like, I love what you just said about just that there's a rapid pace to this because we do on my project shoot like 20 pages a day. And it's like the soap opera actors, when they come in, they're just ready and primed to do that. And I am also ready and primed to do that i mean and i was just thinking to myself like will i end up on a soap opera one day because that's not a design of a want but it's like what's funny is in my own way i have done two soap operas now with you know a-list soap opera actors around me and we're shooting 20 pages a day so it's like i do relate to that there's a it's like a zone it's like an athlete and you either fall into that energy or not and it's like so i have nothing but respect for the genre it's like imagine like you know they're saying training ground to flex your muscles also when you look into it if you're a fan of the entertainment industry as i'm sure you are it's like a lot of people they come from soap operas i mean and they end up going on and doing so much more and then there's also a lot of other people where they're in soap operas and that's what they're always in but they're so freaking talented as well you know it's like it's so everyone is just whether whether you go on and do more or you still stay in this the world of whatever that show is so to speak it's like um you know, props to them because even with your favorite movie star or whatnot, you're only seeing so much of their work, but with right. these, you're seeing these people all the time, you know? So they that's become a okay. part of your family because right? they're so familiar. Exactly. And so to answer your question, what do I'm doing out here in California? It's like, you can tell about me. I'm very analytical. So I'm always thinking <laughs> and I'm always having these aha moments about the beauty of art. It's so fun to be living in LA and be, you know, acting and, 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 and living my dreams. And, and really it's been a thrill. And, and just lately, the other night I got invited to the premiere for, it was the first screening for a mouthful of air and it starred Amanda Seyfried and Finn Whitwork. And they were both lovely. They were there. And I, I, I met both of them and they were talking about how they came from all my children. They both did. And I mean, uh, I remember them on that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. I know. So isn't that funny? And I, you got to check out this movie. It was, phen- it was phenomenal. I think it comes out on October 29th, but exactly See, you're such a good guy. You're you're here to promote your project and you're promoting (laughs) their project. I know, right? See, that is, I'm guilty of that. I think that's another thing. You even asked me this, but how do I get these people? It's like, I am a good guy. And so like, I think my energy draws people in. And so that's that's, fantastic. Yeah, it has been. That is fantastic. So tell us where we can uh, download or find the movie. Yeah, absolutely. You got to go to bloodbathtv.net. That's one word, bloodbathtv.net. And then when you're there, you're going to see uh, you everything. You can pre-order it. You can find out more about it. You can see the whole cast. It's exciting. And then it will be available right at midnight on November 12th. So if you pre-order now, you'll be one of the first people to see what happens. And let me tell you, there's a lot of twists and turns in this. There's a lot of shocks. Some of the uh, some of the people have been asking me, fans have been asking me, will there be a bloodbath season two? And I say to them, yeah, you got to watch what happens in this show called Bloodbath before you even ask me that, because this is definitely meant to be a limited series and i'm proud of it i'm proud to be giving my fans and anyone that will check this out a beginning middle and end because i love what i've done with youthful days but like people actually have asked me even recently will there be more youthful days you need to do another one and it makes me feel good because the people that have watched it like we did not have an ending we were we're so i it's actually a good thing people want more youthful days but you know as a creator and also as a businessman and when you never know 
if you're going to be able to do something about it, it and, and continue on with it, it's exciting to know like bloodbath is something where people can see the beginning, middle and end of the story and it can be a contained piece. So I'm really thrilled to be promoting that. What's in your mind now for your next project away from bloodbath? Ooh, that's a great question. And I, it's called Reckless and it's in pre-production right now. And it's a remake of Fatal Attraction, the movie with Glenn Close oh, wow. from 1987. Of course. And it's got a little twist on it where now I'm playing the Glenn Close part. And uh, I have an affair with a married man. And then that makes my character slowly start to unravel and feel disrespected. And it's the twist because that is a completely different dynamic. And I'm And I am wanting to lean into the idea where it's like I live in LA and just candidly, it's like, you just see the parameters of what's even appropriate or social anymore continues to change and grow. And it's like open relationships and this and that. And I'm not saying I am or am not for any of that. I'm just saying I'm fascinated by it. So I'm definitely like not any, and I'm not in anything like that in my life. So it's almost like, I can almost relate to this character of feeling wanting to bring that to the table. It's like this world has changed so much. And like, where, where does when meet, where does when meet, you know, like in terms of having some uh, of a dignity for people, because it's like, everyone just wants to have their fun and they want to use people and then they want to discard them. I feel like I'm already ready to play this part when you hear me talk, but you know what I mean? Because you're going to come back and share it with us. And of course, yes. Uh, we hope to have other uh, co-stars and uh, I can't wait to see Bloodbath and everybody download it. Brian James, thank you so much for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Thank you so much, Cindy. It was so fun to have you. And yeah, we'll have to come back. I'll come back with Jacob or somebody else soon for sure. Thank you so much. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you are thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.RemaxIQ.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Uh, joining me now is Dean Reuter. Did I say it right? You did. Perfect. Okay, perfect. And he is an author of the book, The Hidden Nazi. He is also general counsel of the Federalist Society for Law and Public Policy. His latest book is The Hidden Nazi. And the timing of this book, could not be uh, more important based on the headlines, what is going on every day with passports and with um, everybody's personal rights being challenged by uh, governments all over the world. We recently commemorated the 80th anniversary of Baba Yar. We are going to be talking about the 75th anniversary of the Nuremberg Trials. And he is really very knowledgeable of everything Holocaust from a non-Jewish perspective. Welcome to the show. 
it's great to be back with you. I, I remember we we sat down together virtually, I suppose, a couple of years ago when the hardback version of this book came out. Now it's now it's out in paperback and it's very good to be with you again. Well, thank you so much. And like I said, the book is very important because based on today's headlines, the t- it is so timely. You know, if we don't learn the facts, we forget. And if we forget, they happen again. And it's happening right before our very eyes. Tell us about The Hidden Nazi and what you wrote about Hans Kamler. Sure. Uh, thanks again, Cindy, for having me on. The Hidden Nazi is is the book about Hans Kammler. Uh, he was probably the most notorious yet unknown Nazi general uh, from World War II. Not only did he design, first of all, he picked Auschwitz as the site for the killing camp. Uh, then he designed the camp. He laid out the meets and bounds of it, the barriers, the, the railroad tracks, the fencing. Uh, he designed the barracks that were used at Auschwitz and elsewhere. He went on, uh, Cindy, to design the gas chambers and the crematoria uh, and to contract for their installation, uh, not only at Auschwitz, but at other killing camps and at other slave labor camps uh, in the Third Reich. After all of that, uh, he went on to rule Germany's slave labor trade uh, for years. So he was a perfectly despicable, purely evil man uh, who nobody's ever written about before the book, The Hidden Nazi. Nobody had written about him because, according to conventional history, at the end of the war, he walks off into the woods, trapped in Prague. He walks off into the woods and kills himself. And Everybody believed that. The Nazi hunters believed that. The historians believed that. And nobody, uh, nobody chased after him. Nobody put pen to paper until, until the hidden Nazi. And it's a, uh, I think, a shocking story, Cindy, that if I hadn't been involved in the research and the telling of this, I'm not sure I would believe it because it, it's, it is a fantastic tale. What made you decide to write this? Because it's not like you said, a person or a topic that somebody not Jewish would really want to discuss. Yeah, well, no, so that's a great question. And, and my whole ancestry is, is German um, on both sides. Um, and my, although my family came to the United States in the 1860s, I always had a, a sort of fascination with how the German society that I was connected to uh, was so highly advanced, highly cultured, um, and then ran off the rails completely. And, you know, my dad was a U.S. Army officer, so I also happened to have been born in Germany. I was born in Heidelberg, but um, uh, it was it was a, a sort of macabre fascination I had with World War II. And then when I started studying this particular character, the story was brought to me by a friend uh, from college. I got involved as a lawyer initially, just drafting an agreement for him to share information with our other researcher. Um, and he started giving me bits and pieces of this story about this uh, general who supposedly died at the end of the war. I thought it was, you know, too fantastic to actually be true. I thought if this were a novel, if somebody pitched me this idea as a novel, I would say, you got to tone it down a little bit. This is a little too, <laughs> a little too fantastic for people to uh, absorb as true. So that's how I came to it, Sydney. So you are an attorney. You work with the Federal Society. And you see what's going on with the courts today, with our attorney general, what's happening uh, with parents, uh, the mandates. Tell us legally your thoughts on all this. 
Yeah, sure. And, and first, let me say I'm speaking on behalf of myself, not on behalf of any organization, certainly not the Federalist Society. Um, it, it does, I, I think, from time to time, it feels like we are in uh, untrodden territory. We're in brand new, uh, a brand new era. We're seeing things that have never happened before. Um, and whenever that happens, there's always talk about, are we in what is the run up to the next uh, tyrannical government, the next totalitarian government? Are we headed in that direction? If we are, is there something we can do about it? Um, th those questions are really complicated, Cindy, and very difficult to answer. Uh, the best I can do is say uh, a couple of things on that point. I, I studied not only the Holocaust, and you're right, if, if we don't study things, we're, we're bound to repeat the mistakes of the past. So I, I do hope people become more familiar uh, with the Holocaust and with World War II. But in studying the lead up to the war and the causes of the war and the causes of the Holocaust, I did find that things happened um, incrementally. In, in other words, you know, at first, this this was deprived to the Jews and then this and then this and then this and then this. And at each step along the way, there were what you could describe as secondary gains to the rest of the German population. So when you see that that Jews are not allowed to go to university anymore, makes it a little easier for other people to get into university that might not otherwise get in. So they're thinking, well, this is not so bad. And then when Jews are forced out of businesses and they have to sell their businesses at pennies on the dollar, uh, people are thinking, well, I can buy this grocery store, uh, you know, at a reduced discount. So this is not so bad. And then when they're forced out of the country, it's like, I can buy this house at pennies on the dollar. And I'm even doing my Jewish friend a favor, because if I don't buy it at this cost, somebody else is going to buy it at a lower cost. And this was all rationalized by mil literally millions of people. Um, and, you know, it, it was this as if when one step happened, nobody saw the subsequent step, the subsequent step. Nobody saw the grand scheme that would lead to the Holocaust. Now, the other thing I, I like to say in answer to questions like this is since the end of World War II, we have seen moments, we've seen uh, times where people in power have accumulated more power, uh, they've acted tyrannically, they've uh, imposed their will on other people, and it hasn't led to a, a, to a tyrannical government or to a totalitarian government or to a Holocaust. So okay. it's very difficult to, and, and, and it's also, I'm, the final thing I would say is it's really difficult to try and compare things happening to the Holocaust. You, you always do that with, with a lot of trepidation because that was such a um, such an important historical uh, moment. Um, I, I, I'm always reluctant to compare anything to, to the Holocaust. Well, as somebody who is a daughter-in-law of a living Holocaust survivor, I can tell you, you are right because nobody can even appreciate or think about or understand how these people survived and made lives of themselves yeah. and, and how many people they actually uh, lost in their families. So the Nuremberg laws and the trial and what went on, and now we're going to be uh, commemorating the 75th anniversary. What would you tell people? Because people are now looking at our courts. They are looking at the attorney general at, with the help of the Biden administration and they're questioning what's going on in our legal system. So what would be some of the lessons that you think that we can learn that probably ties into the book a little bit? 
Yeah, I, I do cover the, the trials in the book a little bit. And you're right, it's the 75th anniversary, the trials, the first international military tribunal was, was uh, created in November of 1945. And it ended in September and October of 1946. So 75 years ago, on the 16th of October, uh, nine leading Nazis were hanged. Uh, and I, I think what Nuremberg really means in the arc of history, it was the first time war criminals had been tried. And there was, it, this was not, it was not a foregone conclusion that they would be give, given trials. Um, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt thought that we might be able to execute, just summarily execute 50 to 100 of the top Nazis as we found them, uh, literally just take them behind the building and, and shoot and kill them or hang them on site. Um, uh, Stalin, it is said now that it's a joke. At a conference, Stalin and Churchill joked about executing 49,000 or 50,000 Nazis. So uh, it wasn't certain uh, until very close to the end of the war that there would even be trials. But these were the first time uh, war criminals were given uh, a, a chance to defend themselves. And it was heralded as a triumph of, of, of reason over passion, a, a triumph of justice. Um, I'm still a big believer in, in the American legal system. And Churchill said it best once, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, a democracy is the worst form of government, uh, except all the others we've tried. Uh, so there, there are failings in our system, but I, I still am a strong, as a lawyer, as an officer of the court, I, I'm still a believer in, in the legal system and, and the processes. Um, the, the, the Nuremberg trials were, I think, perhaps most fascinating because we'd never done anything like that before as an international community. And there were, uh, there were claims about, well, this is a form of victor's justice. That is that, that France, Great Britain, the United States and Russia, they were the judges and they were judging the losers. It's sort of a victor's justice. Uh, but as uh, Supreme court justice Jackson, who was one of the prosecutors noted there weren't a lot of countries involved that weren't on either the winning side or the losing side. So right. if you're going to give these people a chance to defend themselves, it's going to be in front of the victors by definition. Well, this is fascinating information. And like I said, it really is very interesting to speak with someone who is not Jewish from a German background, who understands, who spent the time to do the research and write it. Thank you so much, Dean, for joining Cindy's Celebrity Corner. Please tell us once again where we can find the book. It's in bookstores, Cindy, everywhere. It's on Amazon, and it's in all formats now. It's hardcover, paperback, Audible, Kindle. Uh, you can listen to it, read it in any format you want to. Well, thank you so much, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Great to be with you, Cindy. Thank you so much. Thanks. Selling a home can be expensive and stressful. Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. Our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. Just ask Joseph M. from Brooklyn. Remax IQ made it easy. No for sale sign. I had offers in days. I saved $10,000 in commission and I was in contract fast. If you are thinking of selling, Remax IQ has created a smarter home selling experience. 
our successful real estate agents in New York will sell your home for as little as 2% commission and get you top dollar, stress-free, and fast. To learn more, call 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. We're not a discount broker. We're Remax IQ. Speak with a top agent today. 800-800-1372. That's 800-800-1372. Or visit RemaxIQ.com. Terms and conditions apply. Visit www.remaxiq.com slash disclaimer. Welcome back to Cindy's Celebrity Corner. I am your host, Cindy Gross. And just like that, the hour flew by. I promised you great guest, great conversation, and lots of information to think about. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please let me know what you think. You can reach out to me through my website, Cindy's Corners, and email me through there. Or you can reach me and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Never miss an episode. Download it on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Podbean, Jewish Podcast, and you can also listen to us through the Talkline Radio Networks. Thank you for joining Cindy Celebrity Corner, where all our angles and points meet and where you don't have to be Jewish to enjoy the Celebrity Corner. Thank you and have a good night.